When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Episode 127 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toast podcast network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Hope everybody out there had a happy Thanksgiving with family and friends wherever you are. Hope you enjoyed that and, and had some really good food. I know I did. Really enjoyed seeing some family on the Thursday. Saw th- uh, saw some friends, I should say, throughout the rest of the weekend. It was a lot of fun. For those celebrating Hanukkah, hope you're enjoying that as well. And to those taking some time out of the holidays to listen to the podcast, thank you so much for doing that. It really, really means a lot. You guys have done that year in and year out. No matter what the holiday is, no matter the time of the year, especially this time of the year, you guys still listen and, and it's... It really means a lot that you're willing to include me as part of your holidays. So, hope you're enjoying the holiday season. I know I am. And again, you know, it's great. You know, obviously COVID's not done yet, but we're getting closer, hopefully. And it's a beautiful thing to see people doing more normal holiday things this time around. It's a really great sight to behold. We'll talk about... Some storylines that just got me really intrigued in the NBA. We'll talk about that later on in the show, including the scuffling Clippers, whether or not the Suns are the best team now in the NBA, and a whole lot more. But first, there's a whole lot to dissect in Midtown Manhattan with the Knicks this week. Um, I almost don't know where to begin, to be honest. There's a lot we could get to here. Um, to be totally honest with you, uh, I think I would be pretty, um, pretty naive not to start with the Kemba Walker stuff. I think it's, it's really the, the hot button topic at the moment. We'll get to the week that was, uh, with the Knicks as well. We'll get to the games the Knicks played this week and, uh, we'll, we'll get to that debacle the referees had in Brooklyn. We'll get to, the big win the Knicks had in Atlanta, and we will also talk about a uh, a pretty pretty bad defeat against the Suns as well. But first, this this is a situation here with Kemba Walker that I'm not sure I've seen before in the NBA. I would have to defer to people that are older than me that have watched the game a, a lot longer than I have, or or that you know have looked this up obviously and uh, have. Uh, a better grasp, but a big, a big signing that just joined a team in, in, and in this case joined his hometown team in the Knicks, uh, benched and taken out of the rotation, not even 20 games into the season. 
and is now being shopped around the NBA. This is a very, very interesting situation. And the reason I say that is because my mind is racing right now. There's so many things I want to say. The first thing I will say is, wow, I did not expect this at all. Um, I think even Evan Fournier was uh, surprised. Um, I, I, oh, I, mean, I was, I've been trying to gather my words on this all day. The first thing I'll say is when you look at the numbers and some of the performances, right? You can see where Tom Thibodeau's mind is at, right? Kemba was never going to be a great defensive player. This is a defensive-minded team, number one. Number two, we knew Kemba Walker was going to be inconsistent. We didn't know he was going to be this inconsistent, right? I mean, you can look at Kemba Walker's season so far in a Nick uniform, and you can you can find a pretty simple conclusion here, which is simply that he's not played well. You know, he, he has not had many good nights as a Nick. He's averaging under 12 points per game. He's averaging under three rebounds per game. He's averaging just over three assists per game. He's 31 years old. You would expect those numbers to be higher for Kemba Walker. You look at the games he's played recently, and Kemba Walker has not had double figures in four of the last five games scoring the basketball. He had 17 in the loss to Phoenix, but the games against LA, Chicago, Houston, Orlando, six, seven, nine, and five points respectively. Before that, he had 16 against Indiana. He had 26 against Charlotte, which I believe is the most he's had all season. What's odd is he had a good October. When you look at the <laughs> the tail end, uh, not the tail end, sorry, the beginning of the season in October, he had double figures every night, including a three-game stretch where he had 19, 21, and 19 against Philly, Chicago, and New Orleans, all of them at full strength. And in all those games, he also had five assists twice, four steals, and multiple steals in all three of those games that I just mentioned, and had three-plus rebounds in every game, played very well, shot the three consistently well in those games, shot over 46% from the field in all three over 54% in two of them. This is a very, you know, interesting situation. We expected some of this, but I guess it's, it's gotten to the point where coach Tibbs has said, you know what? It's not enough to, to balance out his poor defensive play. And they've clearly have had this discussion for at least a couple of weeks here. In the month of November, Kemba Walker only had double figures four times. Four games out of maybe, what we're talking, 12? Four out of 13, something like that? Four out of 12 games, Kemba Walker had double figures. 
That's not good enough. That's what he's. That's what he was brought here to do. Now, the other argument here is the Knicks are 21 games into the season. We've only played a fourth of the season. You know, do you give Kemba Walker the time to get this right? Do you think he can get it right? And to me, that doesn't look like it's a yes. It looks like the Knicks don't think he's going to be able to get this done. And the Knicks basically have a couple of weeks. The, the start of trade season, I believe, is December 15th. So, the Knicks have, you know, they don't have a ton of time to figure this out. They really don't. They don't have a lot of wiggle room here to make a decision. According to multiple reports, apparently, John Wall is somebody that's being discussed in a potential trade for Kemba Walker. I I don't know. You know, it doesn't exactly get me out of my seat. You know what I mean? I don't know if John Wall's the right move. I I look at I looked at John Wall's stats earlier today and listen, you know, first of first and foremost, right? This is not this is not John the John Wall of, uh, you know, a few years ago. You know what I mean? It's not that guy. And and he's hurt. You know, he's coming off an injury. And and frankly, I I don't think uh, listen, he's also 31. He's got potential. But th- th- this is one of those things where you're you're going to be getting a John Wall, who yes, finished the last season strong, but hasn't played yet this season. And you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what he's going to look like. You don't know what he's going to look like. Is he going to average the 20 points and 7 assists we saw at the end of last season? I don't know. According to the Houston Chronicle, three days ago, Stephen Silas said, that John Wall is working into game shape as discussions continue regarding the guard potentially taking the court for the Rockets this season. Is he doing that because he's expecting to be traded? I don't know. But he has not played. I mean, there was a report a month ago that John Wall was going to miss the entire season. He wasn't going to play at all for the Rockets. Now, maybe that's because he wants a trade. I I don't know. I have no idea. I would hope so if potentially the Knicks are going to pull this through and and actually pull the trigger on this. But other than that, I, I, I got nothing for you. This is what Tibbs said on Monday about the decision. He said, quote, it's a tough decision to make, but you always have to do what you think is best for the team. Kept it pretty simple. Kept it pretty simple with his answers. I'll be honest, to a point, I I do get it. You know, it's not like the Knicks have been on fire. You know, the Knicks are only a game above 500 dealing with this Kemba Walker inconsistency. You know? And the game in Atlanta, which we'll get to in a second, 
Knicks look pretty good without him. To be honest, they look pretty good. The thing I worry about, and this is why this, you know, people are asking, are talking about why this could be a big risk, and this is where I start to, to, to look at the other side here. What if Kemba Walker gets ready and gets right by the time we get to the playoffs? And you've got a really good Kemba Walker. You want him on the floor. You're going to want him on the floor. Now, the John Wall situation, right? On paper, you're hoping that you get the John Wall at the end of last season. But John Wall's injury prone. You don't know what John Wall you're going to get. And you don't know what John Wall you're going to see in New York, in particular, in that market. How he's going to handle that. He's been in D.C., okay, he's been in Houston. Not really a test. He's going to New York. I don't know how that's going to work out. I really I really don't know. It, it, it gives me a lot of pause. It really does. I did not expect the Knicks to have to have... To have to do this. To have to pull the trigger this early. On Kemba Walker. I didn't. Heck I didn't expect him to have to pull the trigger at all. Honestly I'm at a loss for words if you can't already tell. I did not expect to have to be talking about this. This week let alone at all this season. Now listen you know the Knicks have been up and down lately. There's no question about it. As a matter of fact. I looked at this earlier today. In the last nine games the Knicks have played, the last nine games the Knicks have played, they've gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, and you guessed it, loss. So they play the Bulls tonight. I won't have the chance to comment on it. I'm recording it in the afternoon before the the Bulls game on the Thursday. So I'll, I'll react to that game next week last nine games any indication it's a win for the <laughs> for the Knicks but it's a big game it's a big game the Knicks need it they got to get back to two games above 500 they would tie with Boston for second in the Atlantic if they win tonight you guys will know the result of the game obviously I will discuss it next week as I mentioned but listen you know th- this division is starting to take shape Brooklyn is running away with it we'll get to them in a second Boston has recovered from a slow start for the time being. Philly is at 500. The Knicks are just ahead of them. A half game up. And the Raptors have fallen off. They've lost three in a row. And they have started to fall out of the race a little bit. So, not that they're out of it. They're not out of it. It's still early. But they've started to take a little bit of a turn in the wrong direction. We'll see if they can bounce back. But... I look at the Knicks situation right now, and again, we'll get to the games this this past week in a second. But I, I don't know. Part of me, part of me, almost wants to see if Kemba can figure it out because it would be a big time, a big time story if Kemba Walker, a New York native, is hitting on all cylinders for the, for his hometown team. However, Tom Thibodeau knows more about the situation than any of us, and if he's seeing stuff that he doesn't like. This team's got expectations of winning a playoff series this year. You you can't put that in jeopardy if you're not feeling like one of your key guys is not playing the way he's supposed to play. And frankly, I'll I'll say this, doesn't matter when that happens in the season. You got to make a decision. 
That's what leaders do. If you don't like what you see, you've got to make a choice. And Tom Thibodeau has clearly made the choice that for the time being, Kemba Walker is not in the right state to play for the Knicks. And that has caused the front office to say, well, if he's not in the right state, we got to get, we got to get rid of him. We got to trade him if we can. So we will see. We will see what the Knicks can do with this situation. It's very fascinating. It's a little troubling to hear it, to be honest. It really is. It's not great to hear that about Kemba Walker this early in the season. So we'll see what happens. The other the other thing to keep in mind with John Wall is he's being paid a bleep ton of money. A bleep ton. He's being paid $44 million. That is a bleep ton of money. So worth keeping that in mind as well. That is a crap ton of dough. So I mean that that's that's worth keeping in mind as well. Nick should be picking up a lot of the money. Oh, crazy crazy stuff right there with John Wall. No question about it. And and also worth worth mentioning this as well because John Wall's 31 years old, you know? And this deal that he signed last year, I believe, has got him under contract, under this contract, until 2023. And every year of this deal, he is getting paid over $45 million, or should say over $44 million. This season, he's getting $44,300,000. And in the last year of his contract, next year, the Knicks would owe, I would assume, unless the the Rockets eat some of the contract, which you would expect. uh, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. I don't know how that would work. But next year, John Wall in his age 32 season would be owed over $47 million. Now, the Knicks have some cap space to work with, but that's a lot of cash. That is a lot of cash. That's a big that's a big hit on the cap. So we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the Knicks are going to do with this, but I, I will say this. I will say this. This is a decision. And this is why this has gotten so much attention, why it's been talked about as a risk, and why it's been talked about as a big move. This is a move that could define the Knicks season. This is a move that you look back on and you say, well, the Knicks went up from there or the Knicks went down from there. That's the kind of move we're talking about. This is a huge decision. I will say, if anyone's up for the job to make this decision, I think it's Tom Thibodeau. I trust Tom Thibodeau to make the right choice here. But this is a big decision that you can't afford to mess up. This is a crucial decision. So we will see what the Knicks decide to do and what the outcome is going to be. I would assume, and again, you guys all know the result, but I would assume he doesn't play against Chicago tonight. And I would assume until the 15th, we probably won't see Kemba Walker on the court. So we'll see. 
The, the, the one thing about the, the Houston deal that makes some sense, though, is that Houston's going to want to get rid of this contract. Or at least part of it. So they wouldn't mind taking a Kemba Walker. They're rebuilding anyway. They want to get rid of this John Wall contract for the last year and a half of it. They'll think, all right, we'll, we'll do it. You know, we'll dump John Wall and we'll, and we'll get maybe Kemba Walker and then maybe a pick or two back. That's what I would assume a potential deal would look like. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see because th- this is a huge decision. That's a huge contract to have to move. So, and again, for the Knicks, if they were to do it, it's a huge contract to take on. Huge. So I, I, I look at it and, and I just, I, I honestly, I've shaken my head multiple times thinking about it this week because this is a huge decision. And I just hope that Tom Thibodeau and company are able to make the right one and get the Knicks back on track towards making a deep run in the playoffs this season. That's the goal. And we'll see if the Knicks, whether they make the decision to get rid of him or not, are able to stay on track to potentially achieving that goal. We'll take a break. When we come back, the week that was in Knicks basketball on the court, and we'll talk about the crazy storylines in the Western Conference and much more. It's all next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show. Let's go back and look at the week that was in Knicks basketball. More specifically, on the court this time, we had plenty of time to talk Kemba and a potential John Wall move in the first half. Um, Not much to be said about the first one on this uh, first of the three games from the past week. Uh, the Suns, who we'll get to in a second more in more depth, are just are just on fire. They're just on fire at the moment. Uh, they waxed the Knicks. They absolutely took them to school. Um, 118-97. This is probably the game I'm going to break down the least of the three. Listen, I was thoroughly impressed watching the Suns win this game. I, 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 I honestly, I looked at them and I just said, I, pfft, "How are you supposed to stop them? How are you supposed to stop them? All five starters and double figures." Devin Booker was phenomenal. Chris Paul was vintage Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton did his thing. You know, Mikhail Bridges came up with some big shots. Jay Crowder was great defensively. Um, at the bench, Payne and Johnson in particular made big shots. Even Landry Shamit, I thought, was solid when he was in there as well. And they defensively locked the Knicks down. Uh, they really did. I know Kemba, we talked about earlier, had his uh, had a solid night scoring the ball. Quickly played well, I-, I thought as well off the bench. Other than that, I mean, Julius Randle was awful, and the Suns deserve a lot of credit for that. R.J. Barrett was a non-factor in this game. Mitchell Robinson played okay uh, on the defensive end, but didn't really bring much else to the floor. And the big difference in the game was the Knicks bench, besides quickly, was neutralized. Alec Burks uh, didn't have a chance to really go off. Obi Toppin was shut down. Nerlens Noel, it's great to see him kind of get back into the fold. Didn't do a ton either. Um, this is probably the first uh, game of the season where I just kind of threw my hands up and I just I just went, the Knicks are just not the better team. They're just not. 
they're just not the better team. The, the, the Suns are just playing out of this world basketball. And we'll get to them in a second. They, they, this was their 15th straight win at the time. They've now won nine, uh, 19. They might get there. Uh, they've won 17 in a row after beating Golden State the other night on TNT. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal game, uh, I thought. And, and the Suns just, I mean... Uh, it was incredible to watch that th- this game. I was at a bar, uh, you know, catching up with some college buddies uh, over the Thanksgiving Day weekend, and we watched the game. And I just kept saying to them, I was just every once in a while, I'd I'd look up and um, and just say, God Almighty, the Suns are just the best team right now. I, there's nothing the Knicks can do. You know, there's nothing the Knicks could do. Listen, they they I will say this: the Knicks held their own in the first quarter. It felt like they might be able to to stay in it, and then I, I just thought after, at halftime in particular, I just thought that the oh, this game's done. This game's done. There's just no way the Knicks can go shot for shot with Phoenix, and over the next two quarters, the Suns just methodically continued to build the lead, and it was almost what, like watching an anaconda just absolutely crush its prey slowly within its grasp. It, it was a really... um a really impressive performance from Phoenix. And uh, they, at the time, they're now, I should say at the time, they were 8-1 and one away from home. They've improved on that, obviously, over the last couple of games. They're now 9-1 and one away from home. They're 9-2 and two in Phoenix. They've won 17 straight games, uh, which I believe ties. Does that tie an NBA record? I'd have to check on that. But I, I didn't... Uh, I, I, uh, what's the best way to put, I just had no doubts, I I had no doubts that, uh, you know, that Phoenix was going to go on and win the game, you know, uh, it was really, really impressive, uh, the 17 game winning streak, uh, is the, is the longest winning streak in franchise history, and the 16th longest in the NBA's 75 year 30 team league history as well, so they've already made some history, with the streak and um we will see if phoenix can continue to do it uh, it's really really impressive again it would have been a big boost if the knicks could have been the team that ended it but uh we will see what happens the uh, the suns i believe have the pistons tonight you guys will know the result of that one by the time you listen to the podcast and it kind of is a good segue into a point i did want to make about Phoenix, which I'll, I could, I, I was going to save it for later, but I might as well make it now. We're, we're talking, you know, so much, you know, uh, talking all nice about Phoenix right now. I, Phoenix is the best team in the NBA. They just are. Um, I know Golden State's been really good so far, but, and that was a great game, by the way, between Phoenix and Golden State uh, to end the month of November. I, right now, I think I have to put Phoenix at, at the top right now. I do. They're the best team right now. I think they'll play Golden State again on Friday when the podcast goes out. So that's a big game. It's a back-to-back for Phoenix. We'll see if they can handle it. I will say this. If Phoenix can beat Detroit and then go to Golden State and beat them again, which would be a monumental achievement, I I don't know when they're going to lose again if they, if they stay focused. Because then it's San Antonio, Boston... Clippers, Portland, Washington, who's been better than expected so far, been pretty good so far, Charlotte, the Lakers, 
OKC, and then they play Golden State again on Christmas Day. Maybe that's the one. They'll, they'll probably lose one of those games. Let, like, let's be honest. I don't think they're going to be going into Christmas Day with a 27-game winning streak. I, I'd be absolutely flabbergasted if that was the case. But I'm just saying on paper, if they can get past Detroit and Golden State... If they stay focused, if they stay focused, Golden State, I should say Phoenix, should be able to get this into 20-something games. They should be able to. So, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But at the moment, there's no better team in the NBA than the Phoenix Suns. There just isn't. Golden State's right there, but... And we'll see. December 3rd, on the Friday when this podcast goes out, we will see how that looks but for right now you've got to put phoenix ahead of golden state you just have to and i think the doorbell just went off in my in my house so i apologize if that went over the air but at the moment it it's golden state and then it's phoenix above them that's the bottom line you know that's the way it is at the moment so it's impressive man it's historic it's really, really great basketball that Phoenix is playing. It's great team basketball. And listen, long way to go. You know, Golden State will be there. No question about it. They're also 18-3. and three. Both those teams are 18-3. and three, And then there's a four-game gap <laughs> between, you, between them and then Utah. You're talking Dallas, Memphis, LA. And by the time you get to the, to the Lakers, it extends to a seven-game gap. It's really impressive. Really impressive what the Suns have done. And and again, the Warriors. The Warriors, and by the way, to be fair, for Golden State uh, in that rematch against Phoenix, Golden State's 11-1 at home this season. 11-1. They have lost once at home all season out of 12. So it's not going to be easy. You know, it is not going to be easy whatsoever the only team that has beaten them has been the memphis grizzlies who beat them there to knock them out of the playoffs a season ago so a little bit of beef between those two continues to linger as the grizzlies get another one over on golden state although the grizzlies have been scuffling a little bit they're 11 and 10 they're not exactly blowing the doors off but Another little nice win for for John Morant and company. So we will see. But for the time being, it's Phoenix, it's Golden State, and then it's everybody else in the NBA. And I mean everybody else. It really isn't close at the moment. Although I will say this, Milwaukee has figured it out all of a sudden. They've won eight in a row. So... Milwaukee continues to go on this run. I think they're the team to look at in the East. But right now, when you look in the West, you're going to be hard-pressed to catch Phoenix and Golden State right now. The Knicks, uh, getting back to them really quickly, um, got a big win after the, uh, the loss against Phoenix. I felt like this was a really important game against Atlanta. For multiple reasons, obviously. You know, the Knicks, you want to get some revenge. You want to get some revenge first and foremost and uh, and send a message. You know, the Knicks did not win in Atlanta 
in the playoffs last season. You wanted to be, you know, you, you didn't want you didn't want that to turn into a thing. Is what I'm trying to say. Didn't want that. Didn't want to turn that into a thing. And it's one of those things where the Knicks needed to make sure that they were able to to get one over on Atlanta in Atlanta, where the Hawks have been really tough this season. They've been very difficult at home. The Knicks won at 99-90. It was the defensive end of the floor that ended up being the difference. And listen, Alec Burks in the fourth quarter of this game was just phenomenal. He was just, just phenomenal. 23 points in the fourth quarter he shined. Fournier had 20. R.J. Barrett had 15. And they needed those uh, those points. Obi Toppin had 13 as well. Because Julius Randle again just struggled from the floor mightily. The Hawks have seemingly figured him out. They just cannot uh, get Julius Randle going, the Knicks, against Atlanta for some reason. Although, in, to be fair, this run in general, Julius Randle has not played well. So it's not just Kemba Walker. It's worth mentioning. Julius Randle has been very poor these last couple of games. So, but Fournier and Burks were huge down the stretch. Burks in particular in the fourth quarter made a couple of huge shots and in the third as well. Came up with the goods. The the key quarter was the third. Knicks outscored the Hawks by 10 in the third quarter. And really, the key in this game, really, was limiting the sides for Atlanta. You know, the role players. Clint Capella... Had, had a good night rebounding the ball. And he had 16 points, but he can get you for more than that. Knicks kind of limited him offensively to a certain extent. And the big one for me, John Collins only had 12 points. That was the difference in the game. He's the guy that's got to be big for the Hawks to do well. And when you look at the role players for Atlanta, Bogdanovich had two points. Gallinari had five points. Reddish had three points. Lou Williams had five points. You know, these are all guys that killed the Knicks in the playoffs. And Trey Young had 33 points in this game. He had 33. He had a vintage Trey Young game. Wasn't nearly good enough. It wasn't nearly good enough. So, uh, I should say the, the Hawks had won seven straight games going into this one. The Knicks defensively against the role players shutting those guys down was the key and they ended up getting out of atlanta with a 99 to 90 win an impressive victory for the knicks no question about it a big bounce back i thought and and a message to atlanta you know saying that it's not going to be the same this time around we can win in atlanta and I, i thought it was very impressive the hawks are very difficult at home and the knicks who have an impressive away record even after the loss to Brooklyn, six and four away from home, you'll take that. It, it's the home games where you just go, man, the Knicks have got to pick it up. They've got to pick it up. But a big win over Atlanta at the time, and then we had the frustration in Brooklyn the other night. Uh, I was able to watch the second half of this game live and then watch the highlights back. Extremely frustrating. Extremely frustrating loss to the to the Nets. And uh, And listen... You know, th- this was a game of back and forths. The the Nets ha- had an early blow in the first quarter. They looked good. Knicks responded to lead at the break. Nets had a big third quarter. And, and it looked like the Knicks were going to respond in the fourth. They had a- multiple chances 
uh, the Knicks to get stops. Uh, I will admit, and I tweeted this out, I thought the officiating in this game was extremely leaning towards the Nets. Uh, There was a few, not a few, there was maybe five or six calls uh, that probably shouldn't have gone the Nets way that did in the fourth quarter. Uh, A couple that Randall should have gotten on the offensive end that were not called. And then there there was a couple of fouls on KD that I thought were extremely soft. Extremely soft. Um, Even to the point where you thought, Man, even guys like Kevin Durant and LeBron James and Steph Curry should not be getting these calls. Very, very soft. And if, if, if not, you know, it, there was some, I think there was one in the fourth where there's literally, it was Burks or, uh, or Fournier, I forget who it was, barely touched KD on a drive and he missed a dunk. Durant missed the dunk and like, seconds later the whistle goes for a foul and i just put my hands on my head i just said where's the foul where is it where is it they gave us five looks and there just wasn't a foul there there just wasn't extremely poor officiating it really was and listen you know you give harden and durant credit they made big plays down the stretch but the Knicks had this game taken away from them by the officials. There's really no debating that. There really is no debate on this. You know, Harden had a big night. He had 34 points. He had 10 rebounds. I think he had 8 assists as well. And I think had a few steals. And Kevin Durant had 27 and 9 assists. They, they had big nights. But I, I thought they were very fortunate, the Nets, to get out of there with a win. They were very fortunate. 112-110 was the final. Evan Fournier hit that huge three to tie it um, with about 15 seconds left, I believe. And then uh, the Nets got another call at the other end, and uh, and that was that. So, very, very frustrating game. I, I think it was... Uh, a big opportunity for the Knicks because the Nets have been a team that they they've really struggled with uh, over the last few seasons. I can't even remember the last time the Knicks have beaten the Nets. Um, so and listen, the Nets have been the better team, but the Knicks were the better team on the night. I, I thought the Knicks outplayed the Nets and um, deserved deserved to win. The Nets were very very fortunate with the whistle on their side to come out with a win because they were outplayed. I thought the Knicks were the better team. I really, I really did. I really did. From the second half that I saw, and then looking back at the highlights, again, it was a back and forth game, but I thought the Knicks were the better team. I really did. That the Knicks showed a lot in that game. Burks had 25. He was phenomenal. Finally, Julius Randle got back on track. He had 24. Rosen quickly had 16 and 12 off the bench, respectively. And then we had clutch shots late from Evan Fournier. He had 13 points and three of eight from deep. So very, very frustrating game. Um, but one that the Knicks can take a lot of positives from, I must say. It's a game you look back on and you can think, you know what, we want to see them again. We want to see Brooklyn again and we want to make sure we beat them this time because the Knicks outplayed them for most of the night. And um, listen, the Nets, again, they got what they needed from their stars, but I thought the Knicks as a team were better and they were unfortunate not to win the game. And it really came down, it really did. You know, you don't always like to say that, right? Because especially as the losing team's fans, you 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 get looked at as as sour grapes. But I, listen, I I thought 
you know, I'm not going to say it a lot this year, but I really did think that the refs had a huge factor in how that game finished. And they didn't hand it to Brooklyn, but they gave Brooklyn so they gave Brooklyn second and third and fourth chances to score because of those fouls. And the Nets made their free throws. So that that's that's on the referees. That's on the referees. They, they missed calls down the stretch. And not one or two. They missed about five or six down the stretch. And uh, in the end, uh, the Knicks were very unfortunate. I, I tweeted out how unlucky the Knicks were. I think that's the best the best terminology that I could use to describe that loss. The Knicks were extremely unlucky to to leave Brooklyn with a loss. They really were. And that expect you know again you guys are you guys are gonna know the result. And apologize, I'm, I've been fumbling over my my verbiage a little bit tonight. But the Knicks should go on and beat the Bulls now. You guys will know the result, but the Knicks have to take some momentum from this. And the Bulls are coming into the Garden. You guys again will know the result. We'll talk about the game next week. But the Knicks should go on and win now. The Knicks should go on and win, win a couple of games, get on, get on a winning streak. That's what the Knicks need as they try to build on a, a good couple of games, but you know, it's one of those things where the Knicks should have won two out of three, not one out of three. And the officials played a part in that, no question about it. But now the Knicks should go on, build some momentum, and get a winning streak going. You know, that's that's the next stop for the Knicks as far as getting back on track and getting to where they should be, which I think is a few games above 500. So we'll see if, if they're able to do that moving forward. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. To everybody out there celebrating Hanukkah, enjoy it the rest of this week. To everybody out there celebrating the rest of the holidays, enjoy the start of the holiday season. It's a beautiful thing. Hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. And there's plenty more Knicks basketball where that came from. We will talk more Kemba and talk more Knicks and talk more NBA in general next week. I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to talking to you then. Have a great week and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.